It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome to another edition of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast based on the book, The 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders, written by the co-host of your podcast, as we've already reached episode 38 in paperback, in hardcover, Steve Noodleberg. And today is a day as we tape this, and people will listen to this, as you know, for days and weeks and months to follow. But as we tape this, it is, in fact, Tuesday, September the 11th. 2018, 17 years to the day, and I know that that is heavy on all of our hearts and certainly in the front of our minds as we pledge that day to always remember and never forget. It's hard to believe it's 17 years ago. 6,209 days. Dude, it's insanity. 17 years ago. It was a Tuesday morning. It was a Tuesday morning. I I was involved in the um, Dolphins Touchdown Club Mm -hmm. and was working with Jay Fiedler that day, who unfortunately had... Uh, many of his friends at Cantor Fitzgerald. He was a kid out of Oceanside, New York. I'm from Baldwin. <laughs> right? So he was a 516. Yeah, not a 561. Right. exactly right. So his friends would have been Cantor Fitzgerald, Towers oh. 1 and 2, and as well, in all likelihood, FDNY, NYPD, and Port Authority, I would imagine. Crazy. We, we obviously, that morning was nuts for everybody. We didn't know changed, what was going on. Changed everything forever. It changed everything forever for everybody. More than Pearl Harbor, more and than any other moment. You know moment what? I mean, you brought it up before we got on the air. It's interesting. Like, last year, we were involved in a hurricane, mm-hmm. and so it became a backseat, and that makes me feel sad today right. Right. that we look back a year, and it wasn't top of mind because it should always be top of mind. I'm working with a client that is focusing on first responders, mm. and who they are and what they do for us should never be questioned. It's right. uh, it's unbelievable. And I know last year we had the hurricane and yeah. we all had no power. And uh, some folks were having to find places to go eat or they weren't prepared properly. No, and, no. and I ran into you and Michelle actually on Clamata Street. And you guys were like, hey, we're taking advantage of air conditioning and electricity. And then <laughs> there was a curfew. You couldn't be on the street. And and I'm, T-shirt I'm wearing today was wearing last year, and it has a silver foil badge that represents the badge of FDNY, NYPD, and Port Authority. And I remember Michelle said, it's like, oh, it's like superheroes. And I said, yeah, like exactly like superheroes. Yeah. It's the 16th anniversary of September the 11th. And the look on your face was, oh, my God, in the midst of the hurricane and the power loss and all the storm and the scrambling and trying to – it was overlooked, forgotten, because – we were concerned about other things like our own uh, safety, shelter, convenience, and comfort. Crazy. It, it, the, you know, Crazy. So when I think back about it, obviously, it's, um, you know, today I'm, I woke up with gratitude. First thought in my mind was mm-hmm. thankful for all that we have that was saved that day. And then the clips and the quotes, and there's an ESPN special about Tonight. how sports affected that. And I remember when Piazza hit that home run, I get chills. Right. You know, uh, Bush throughout the ball, you know, all of that stuff, um, puts everything into perspective. It does. And because nothing else matters. I mean, you know, we talk to salespeople and sales professionals on this show. 
But guess what, guys? <laughs> Those guys didn't protect us. We got nothing. So know, much so. of, I would imagine, the conversation in your world of marketing and branding and sales over the course of the previous week and a half has been about Nike and their decision to talk about dreams and crazy and the sacrifice ad campaign and the Colin Kaepernick situation because sports became patriotized yes. following 9-11. That was the turning point in which we started seeing the anthem being performed on television. That's when the military oh got involved wow. and began paying for the rights to come on the field and fill the field with the flag. So it is a fascinating timing of your sales, marketing, branding, lecturing, and instruction. The discussion of Nike, did they get it right? What are they thinking? And now it being 9-11, because sports didn't become what it became as a field of patriotism until September the 11th. So, first of all, that was the greatest segue. Tied together. That was the greatest segue ever. I mean, you really tied that together in a way that I'm grateful to be around you because well, you, thank you. You, you pulled these topics together and we had sort of had a framework of what we were going to talk about but that does tie this it is together. the confluence and right this now. is this is really really relevant because you know everybody was uh you know had an opinion about this mm-hmm. which is what good marketing is you know when i tell people listen if nobody gives a shit about you then you didn't do a good job marketing right when people say i love it or i hate it they better know who you are then, right. I mean, they, they have a, you know, something in the game. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about Nike, when you look at their history, is whether you think they got it right or they think they, you, they got it wrong, it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. because they did it. Mm-hmm. And the whole conversation about their logo and their tagline, mm-hmm. just do it, mm-hmm. they didn't just do it because it was going to be a good thing. They didn't just do it because it was going to appease the NFL or, or not appease the NFL. They just do it. Mm-hmm. And from a sales perspective, that's one of the number one things I teach people is just do it. Get off your ass and do it. Are you shocked by the percentage or number of people that think Nike guessed that they just said, hey, let's give this a shot? Oh, that's ridiculous. On social right? media, <laughs> you see these people that right. don't like, believe me, they are the most successful and valuable brand in the world in, in the segment of sports. They ran their numbers. They yeah. did their homework. I'm pretty sure they checked. You think? I'm pretty sure they checked whether or not this was in in their long term substantiated growth best interest. You know, um, when when we look at a guy like Tiger Woods who had his trouble, mm-hmm. right, became a controversial person. You know, all of his sponsors dropped him. Mm-hmm. AT and T dropped him. Gatorade dropped him. Buick dropped him. Right. Nike did not drop him. Mm-hmm. Nike they put said, him on hold. They said we're going to put you on the shelf. Let this thing simmer down because we live in a culture that allows for these opinions. It allows for both sides. It allows for compromise. It mm-hmm. allows for people to have freedom of speech. And so I, I thought it was brilliant from the start. Both of my boys that are in college football applauded it. The fact that people would burn their shoes mm. is the most ridiculous thing I've ever <laughs> heard in my life. Uh-huh. I mean, how passionate are you about Nike? That's, you know, yeah. they win. Yeah. It, uh, it's fascinating to me that you have everyday folks who don't think for a moment that the greatest marketing machine in the history of marketing, I say it's a, it's really a tie between the church and Nike. Yeah, that would, you know, have a hard time. Because, because, because those are the two most recognized and known symbols and logos from the Amazon jungles to Tel Aviv, to China, to St. Petersburg, Russia, 
to Branson, Missouri, all over the globe, people know two logos, the cross and the Nike swoosh. And when you don't, and when the Nike swoosh means the same thing in Chinese and Arabic and French and Japanese and in English, well, then you've won the world, haven't you? You know, I love that you had said that before because it did not dawn on me, but that is absolutely accurate is that no matter where you are, you recognize the swoosh. They, they've done that. I don't speak any Chinese, but the swoosh is the same in Chinese. It is. I don't, right. I don't speak any Hebrew and or Arabic, but I know that the swoosh is the same. It means Nike in every language. And Nike means different things to different people, but, um, they didn't have to do something with Colin Kaepernick. Nope. They chose to do it, and, yep. and one of the takeaways for me, and I love digging into these topics and then writing my thoughts down so that a month from now I can go back to it after everybody's social media and everybody's trying to influence what I'm thinking. I write down, I go, wow, you know what, maybe I was right. But mm-hmm. they stayed really relevant. You know, you want to be successful in life, you need to be relevant. You need, you know, and being relevant means taking risk, taking, you know, chances. And so I found that to be... Wow, you know, they could have sat on the sidelines. Their sales would have still continued to be great. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to do this, but they had a message about dreams. And it was pretty cool. I, I thought the, the quality of the commercial was spectacular. But you'll notice, because we're in the business of brands and marketing, and, yep. before Don Draper and Mad Men, anyone listening to this podcast should probably be watching the show Mad Men to understand the foundation of advertising that when Nike said just do it in the early 80s, it meant more than, man, get out there and go run those miles. It also meant sex, because doing it means doing it. Doing it. And aren't we going to go run so we look better? Right. And we look better so we can get more sex. Because all of this time, they go, well, well, hold on, slow down, back up what you just said right there, JC. All right, let me explain it again. Coors Light used to have an ad campaign, the old Coors beard, and was the guy with the beard, and the river, and, the, and all that's great. And then they realized, holy cow, we got these shiny silver cans. We put blonde hair girls on the beach playing volleyball. We are selling a lifestyle. We are selling an image because products should make you feel a certain way. So if you are the divorced 48-year-old dad in Oklahoma, when you're walking down the beer aisle of the grocery store and you're thinking about having a couple tonight for Monday Night Football because your ex-wife has the kids, the Coors Light makes you feel a certain way because they branded it as the blondes and the beach and the sex and the fun. Nike, if you'll notice, decided in that commercial, I didn't see one blonde-haired, blue-eyed, pretty girl. No. I didn't see... No beach. <laughs> I didn't see one mainstream, strapping, handsome, USC-looking white quarterback. You know what I saw? Muslim girls in Habibs competing, right? I saw African-American and Asian, Latino, Hispanic outcasts, underdogs, born with, no with, born with physical limitations, right, born with exterior bias and prejudice against them. This was a campaign saying, if you've ever felt like an underdog, if you've ever felt like a not cool kid, that you didn't belong because your dreams are too crazy and we are with you. Because the cool kids in high school, they wear the Nike logos, right? right. Not the out, But now these kids... They didn't have brand loyalty before. I'm shocked. I'm in Forever 21. I'm in H&M. These are stores that sell clothes to tweens and teens and 20s. They're selling sneakers, Steve, with no logo. 
it is unconscionable for me to think I would ever go to sixth grade. <laughs> no, no. Without a fourth logo? Fourth grade through college without a logo on my sneaker. You'd get laughed at at school. I would never do it. Right. But they're selling shoes. You know why? These kids, this generation, these millennials, they don't care about the logos. You know what they care about? Inclusion. They care about the Muslim girl being homecoming queen. Tribe. The man with no, the, the, the wrestler with no legs being the prom king. The kid with Down syndrome being the homecoming king. They're about inclusion and underdogs. You've got eighth grade boys and girls coming out as gay and lesbian. This is a different time. So Nike said, hey, you young people. Come one, come all. You're welcome here. Yeah, wow. I mean, it's, so, so you hit it dead on the, on the head, which you always do. Not, Why, thank not you. Not blowing smoke at Sometimes. you. Sometimes. But, um, I'm in, I'm in the process of writing some new material and what has become apparent to me in all of sales is that nobody really, really gives a shit what you're selling. Mm-hmm. They care about the outcome. They care about how you make them feel. Right. They care about what problem you solve. Period. Cause if you don't do that, they're not going to buy it. And the, and that's the, you know, the biggest paradigm shift in sales and whether it be through a marketing message or a direct you know, in introduction to somebody and, and you have the opportunity to pitch them, mm-hmm. unless you tune into what they want to feel like, mm-hmm. that emotion, yeah. unless you plug into the emotion, the emotion which you just nailed. Nike plugged into an emotion that is, that's the revolution. That's what's happening. There's, there is a movement there of people and that's happening in sales as well. People want to be part of something. They want to have their, whatever their emotion is. I mean, Back in the day, it's funny to think that Tiger Woods drove a Buick mm-hmm. was ridiculous. Right. That, that I wasn't plugged into an emotion. Didn't there. seem realistic. Didn't seem realistic. And then LeBron James had an ad campaign with Kia, right. where he said, "I know what you're thinking. I don't drive this car." Right. And he, and he hit it head on because it was somebody tweeting, "I'll bet you ten million dollars <laughs> LeBron James does not drive that Kia." And then Tiger, I mean, excuse me, LeBron's behind the wheel and he's saying, uh, "Back the truck up. Uh, I'm coming to collect my money." There you go. Because we know what you think, right? And we think you don't drive the car. So Matthew McConaughey actually had an impact on Lincoln sales. Mm-hmm. Lincoln was heading the wrong way; was a non-relevant brand. Sure. He comes on board. I absolutely believe that he drives that car. And does his, you know, his cool thing. Yeah. So, so part of it is being genuine too. And I think Nike was very genuine and authentic. There was no, but at there the was end no the, theater there. Right. But at the end of the day, people must realize this is a carefully calculated study. Oh. This is economics. And I don't mean numbers. I mean people, how they live, the decisions they make, why they do the biology, the B-U-Y. Biology, wow. not the B-I-O. Look at this dude. Okay, the so biology. I'm talking about why. How do you deal with this guy, man? That's a winner. 80%, 87% of Americans, when they enter a store, they go to the right. Dude, I did not know that. 87% of Americans I've been in retail. Don't. I grew up in retail. I did not 80, know that. Right. So, Is so, that because you follow the circle? Well, or? no, it's because you, in America, you, you drive on the right, right side, you, you walk right. on the right wow. side, you're in the store, and that's the, where oh, you kind of begin, cool. even though you read from left to right. Um, Nike did their homework. And what Nike oh, realized yeah. was that there is a segment now that feels outcast, underdogs, downtrodden, hated on, hated against, prejudiced of, uh, and they don't have brand loyalty. So you know what? Much like what Michael Sam proved, the first gay man ever in the NFL draft to admit and come out as gay prior to being drafted, he had the best-selling jersey for all rookies in the summer leading up to that never NFL played. season, he never played, <laughs> never one, down played one down because a lot of people said, "I'm with I want him. To support that I'm dude. with that exactly." exactly right.
And that's how that works. That's pretty amazing. Coors Light's beer tasted the same. It made you feel the same way. But when they decided, let's use the blonde-haired girls with the boobs and bikinis on the beach, and it sold you the lifestyle that everybody wants. Live my life on vacation. And Nike's been, if you'll notice, a bit rebellious. As you mentioned before, the Charles Barkley campaign in the 90s was revolutionary because he said, I am not a role model. Oh, in a nasty way, too. Like, I am not a role model. Me, man. I, I I'm not here to raise your I'm kids. I'm not here to raise your kids. It's exactly Nike's right. Nike's been the front of culture, yet semi-counterculture, and they've been brilliant. The two greatest marketing machines in the history of life of this planet, the church with their cross and Nike with their swoosh. I, I think one of the indications when you look at social media is the amount of memes that were made from this commercial or from that ad, mm-hmm. there's a zillion memes. There's so much that's part of the culture mm-hmm. that they did, whether you like it or not. Well, I forget one of the comedians did something really funny. He goes, um, don't you think Nike knows that if you burn th- their sneakers, they already have your money right. from those? Yeah, you, you already paid. You're going to have to buy something else. Right, right. It's not Maybe like a, not theirs. But, you know, yeah. you, you've, already, you've already paid. You've already paid for those, for sneakers, those shoes. You know? so it's, uh, but, but it's so t- relevant to the nature of sales in general, because messaging and connectivity, um, the the idea that you could just walk in and sell somebody something without mm-hmm. revealing all that mm-hmm. doesn't exist anymore. I gotta know who you are, what you stand for, you know, what all of the things that matter about you, then the brand, then you know, I mean, so. When salespeople are packing their bags and walking into somebody and going, I'm just going to tell you, here's my product and service and here's my price and that's it. Mm-hmm. People want to know more. Yeah. I mean, it's that funny thing, inquiring minds. Yeah. People want to know, who are you? People want to feel inclusion. They want to feel that they matter. And for Nike, they took a page from Marvel Studios. It took a page from Fox. It took a page from the company that put together the show that you see on Fox involving a hip-hop record label, right? The idea being, Black America says, hey, uh, we spend money too. Why don't you let us know that you care? Why don't you let us know that you want us involved? And we'll watch Empire on Fox, which changed television. (laughs) We will make Black Panther which changed the movie business. It was the highest grossing film of last year. continues to do so. Highest grossing film of last year. And now Nike said, Black America. And those of you that identify and understand what this might be like, some of you are Muslim with where your Habib, some of Hispanic. you without leg, you are, and, and the outcasts and the underdogs. Guess what? Come, we would love to have your business. We'd love to be with you. Dream your dream. So I'm interested in. I'm going to shift gears for a second because sure. I'm interested in your take on on a on something. So you know the NFL is a sidebar to this. Of course, I could tell you who's the NFL's who's the NFL's um, uniform partner. Nike. Nike is. Right. They bought the right. They have every team. Correct. Right. So, so, so people that thought <laughs> Nike was trying to end football weren't paying attention to the fact that Nike spends billions of dollars with the NFL and the television networks to run their commercials and sponsor the games themselves. So you better ju- follow the money. All right. Nike exactly sponsors right. the league right. and sponsors the broadcast of the NFL games. So obviously they know what they're doing. Well, so you would say the cross and the swoosh. Correct. And I could say that the third one is the shield. because In, in is, North America. Uh, in North America. I mean, the, the rest of the world really wants American football. So it's just really interesting what's happening now is because that's a big marketing brand. 
I mean, they sell zillions of dollars worth of stuff. Mm -hmm. And now the players are starting to have a voice saying, guess what? There's a a bargaining agreement coming up that we may not agree to, and things will change. And so um, I think the whole thing is fascinating. And to your point, it was not done on a whim. It was not done any other way than looking, looking at the data and saying, you know what? This has nothing to do with other than this is good business. You don't take the most valuable brand globally. And not just not America, not North America. You don't take the most, the quantifiable on paper with commas and commas and decimal points and numerals. You don't take the most valuable global brand in sports and guess. You don't gamble. You don't say, well, let's see how this works out. Uh Uh-uh, kids. This is a trillion-dollar industry. Brand loyalty is everything. The problem with college basketball and the corruption thereof stems from brand loyalty of AAU kids and recognizing that an 11-year-old boy is going to be a superstar. This goes back 25, 30 years now, Steve. The AAU teams, people, the sneaker wars of the 90s, all of that was begot by the premise. If you can get the 11-year-old superstar, going to be superstar kid, to play on that AAU team, he's Nike for life or Adidas for life, oh, or totally. which then means Patino. <laughs> which then means he's going to go to a high school that is either Nike because he's brand loyal, right. and then he's not going to Kansas. He's going to go to North Carolina because it's that school. I can't go to Wisconsin or Adidas. I'm a Nike guy. I'm going to North Carolina. Listen, Florida just became a Jordan school. They, uh, the Florida Gators, the, uh, the Jordan became, brand, the Jordan brand, right? The subsidiary. So certainly they have a big investment in changing all of their gear. But I don't think people realize this. I don't think people realize it. The, the, the recruiting process. Oh, huge. How that you, was the number one reason for making the change to Jordan was recruiting. How you get LeBron James to be a Nike spokesman began with his AAU team when he was 11 years old. The recruit that was then because he was going to go to a Nike high school. And then he's going to go to Nike College. You skip college, insane. and then Nike gave him $90 million, remember? Out of, out of high school, they gave him $90 million. And a year later, he uh, got a Rolex from the year Nike was founded, 1973, and he had it inscribed to, to Phil Knight. Um, uh, thank you for taking a chance on me. Wow, isn't that cool? And gave him a watch. Isn't that cool? I mean, so... Brand know, loyalty. For, for me, the, the takeaway um, that I want to make sure that our listeners really get to is that... There is value in being uncomfortable. You know, if Nike just took this comfortable place and said, we're just going to ride this one out, mm-hmm. uh, they don't get the big rewards. They don't be the global brand they are. And, and take that down to individuals. When you're sitting looking yourself in the mirror, the hardest decisions are the ones that are going to make you uncomfortable. But isn't that the... Isn't get that... the hell out of your comfort zone. Right. Get into something that makes you uncomfortable, makes you squirrely, and... That's where the riches are. All successful people, I think, will tell you the same thing. If you're not making yourself uncomfortable, you're not growing. So You're not advancing. Uh, last week, I, we missed the podcast because I went on vacation finally. Uh, tried to dial it down, went to Costa Rica. And one of the things we did in Costa Rica was this thing called snuba. And it's basically a combination of snorkeling and scuba diving. Okay. So I didn't have to take the lessons and I didn't have the, the breathing you know, tank on my back. Mm-hmm. But I was connected to the ship and then you go down, same breathing apparatus, and it, it allows cool. you to really see the bottom of the water, uh, bottom of the, the ocean and stuff like that. Made you a like little that. uncomfortable? Sounded great uh-huh. when Michelle said, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Great, paid, got, we're on the boat, cruising out there, beautiful out, you know, all great. Boat stops, 
Everybody starts putting their gear on. Broom, broom, broom. My heart is like so nervous. Then the guy's telling us, he goes, listen, it's not uncommon for people to have a little bit of anxiety. They're going to get in the water. We're only going to go down five feet. Then we're going to go down 15 feet. Then we're going to go all the way down. He's telling me this, and I'm like, like I don't really want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I like being in the sun. I don't need to be under the water. Right. I don't breathe well to begin with. Anyway, the, the moral of the story is... I could have bailed at that moment and said, you know what? The rest of you guys just dive in. I'm cool right here. I'll get my son and everything's, you know, I'll be great just living in, the, you know, with the rays. I knew I needed to jump in the water. I knew I needed to do it mm. because it was where I was uncomfortable. Right. Now I did it. I wouldn't say that I loved it, but I know I did it. And the sense of knowing I did it, which is really where all the riches are. You know, it was validating to me. It was like, That's you know, growth. this is growth. This That's is growth. exactly right. That's so growth. did Nike grow as a brand? Do you grow as a human being? Do you, you know, that's really where, you know, what I want people to get out of this stuff is that, you know, this honesty, this genuineness, and this pushing yourself to a place that you're not comfortable. You're at the top of the mountain. What it took you to get, you know, to the middle of the mountain is different than it's going to take to get to the top. So the, some of the analogies and stuff really drove me crazy and I loved it and it's I've enjoyed this part of the marketing and sales world that it's out there for people to discuss. It's been a fascinating time since the last podcast because of Nike's decision. Correct. Because of going ahead and betting on Colin Kaepernick, who has at this point become a martyr. It is a fascinating time in in brands, branding, marketing, advertising, and for people that are listening that want to grow and develop and sell and teach others how to sell, um, this is a significant time. To recognize that what's popular isn't always right, what's right isn't always popular, Bingo. but knowing who buys your product, who doesn't, and who never will is very important. That is so exactly on point is that having the ability to say, these people will never buy from me. So forget I about them. I don't care what they say. Correct. Because the more I worry about them, the more I'm not focusing on the people who Will and who should buy my stuff? I don't see commercials for Outback Steakhouse on the vegan channel. <laughs> okay, the, you know what a silly analogy, but it works. It of course, totally it does. works, and it's very clear that yeah. you, you got to go where you're supposed to go. And, and one of the things I train salespeople on is that listen, you're not going to bat bat eight hundred. Mm-hmm. You're not. You know, you're going to bat three hundred. It's so. just for me. You know, again, we are taping this podcast on Tuesday, September the eleventh, two thousand eighteen. 17 years to the day, 6,209 days, another Tuesday morning in which everything changed. And by everything, I mean not just taking your shoes off at the air, wow. at the airport. I'm talking about everything because let's do this for a moment. Let's trace why the Nike controversy is what it is. The Nike controversy is because a backup quarterback decided there was social and racial injustice in America and was kneeling during the anthem. It itself was hijacked, which is a stark term on a day like today, into an issue of anti-patriotism. Patriotism was never an issue in sport and made to be used as a ploy to get people to come to games, to watch the games, to feel an emotion about it. Until after September the 11th. So September 11, 2001 began the whole new era of players taking the field with the flags and charging the military to come out and unveil the the field covering length flag and all that. And as a result, 
of 9-11 and this newfound patriotism, Nike, uniform supplier, advertising partner, marketing, business partner of the NFL, went with a former player who everyone is polarized on based on their idea of what patriotism is. It is a bizarre, is it not? I mean, because this is a cycle that starts at A, it's a pyramid, it's not even a, it's not even a circle, but I don't think people realize how we got here. The patriotism of sport be, was born out of 9-11. And there's so many lessons to draw from all of that, from the journey, you know, from everything that happened then to what's happening now. I don't think people look at, look at it that way. If I were to say to you, NFL films, what, what images come to mind? Steve Sable. Right. But, know. but images, everyone remembers the old man during the Gulf War, the Super Bowl 25 in Tampa, Whitney Houston is performing the national anthem, and the old man's wiping a tear from the corner of his eye. Yeah, and the NFL said, that's it! Right. We own that. Indelible <laughs> image. That was 28 that. years ago. 28 years. It was 1990 season. It was January wow. of 1991. Your memory is like, Bizarre. But I'm saying you, but, but, but you're, you're with me on this. Yo, totally. I mean, that's kind of where, you know, when you, when you want to have a sales and marketing conversation, they are sales and marketing organizations. Nike, the NFL, all of these, mm-hmm. you know, it's all about producing new revenue. You know? you know, you know what's fascinating to me? People don't even realize this. You see on the, on the tail of an aircraft, the American flag, why is it reversed? Or on a soldier's shoulder, why is it reversed? People say, why is it backwards? Because it is supposed to flow in the flow of motion, as if the wind were carrying it. Take a look at the Nike logo on the shoulders of the NFL players. On the other shoulder, it's reversed like wow. the flag would be, so it's going the direction thereof. Right. That and that was not done by accident either. No. No, it is not. Your shoe's the same way, the inside, the outside, right? In the, in the order it's going. Look Listen, I love Nike. I'm continuing to wear Nike, whether you like that about me or not. I've always many- said... You know, listen, if that's why you're making a decision on me mm-hmm. is because of my sneakers or my clothing, right. we're the wrong match anyway. Their commercial, <laughs> that campaign says uh, underdogs and underlings uh, and outcasts and those that never because of biology or heritage or your geo code were not given the same opportunity. We're with you. I mean, when you think it's about a, it's it, it's an ad campaign of inclusion. Yeah, but when you think about it, it's silly that people would make a, a decision on you or anything based on an article of clothing or a pair of shoes. I mean, it does. But we do. Know, well, I know we do. We I sell mean, a listen, lot of watches that part way. Part of branding salespeople mm-hmm. is people buy who and what you, how you show up. So for me, I stopped wearing ties. God's honest, true right. story. There are people who won't buy from me because I don't wear, I don't a, wear tie. a tie. And I say, fine. Tell great, them, get so, them out of the way. Tell them you'll wear a tie to their funeral. <laughs> Crazy. So I do want to entertain two other topics. Okay, because we're going to wrap it up here. We're, we're, well, yes, sir. it could be under the tell me something good thing. It absolutely can. But go right ahead. Get to number one, then we'll get to number, number one. Number one is um, we, we are in the midst of NFL season. Mm-hmm. And when no matter what you do in life, you have to perform no matter what the circumstances are. And watching Aaron Rodgers the other night was one of the most amazing things I've yeah. ever seen on one foot. It was a pretty crazy second half. I mean, it was Willis Reed all over again for me yeah. as a Nick fan. He came out of the tunnel. He he was on one foot, and he willed that victory. Everybody said, boom, get on my shoulders. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was, it was. really, really fantastic. Was. And so no matter what we do in life, it's all about performance. It's how you show up Amen. and how you get it done. And so Amen. we can talk all this bullshit all day long. It's all about performance. Amen and to that. that. Guy, um, 
and you see him and the other guy on the other side, Khalil Mack. I yep. mean, now you know why they're making all that money. It makes sense now, doesn't those paychecks yes, do. As you said, we don't ask people how you're doing at Small Talk. Instead, every week, you ask for telling them something good. So why don't you do that as you wrap up? Oh, episode my God. J-E-T-S. Jets. Jets. So that may have been the most fun Jet game I've ever watched. You like your life. quarterback. Well, I, you know what? When he fir- threw the first pass... I really was ready to jump off the balcony. I was like, this is what we got. This is, you know, it was typical. It was so typical. Another player whose first uh, pass was to return for touchdown. Brett Favre. Brett Favre. His career turned out okay. Jameis Wins. Do you know who, do you know who Brett Favre's first completion was to? You'll never guess in a million years, so I'm just going to tell you. Okay. Himself. Wow. It was a batted ball that he called out of the air. Wow. His first completion was to Real quick trivia question. What's the one sports team in all of sports that has a female mascot? In professional sport? In all sports. They have uh, a female mascot. Including the WNBA? Everything. I don't know who. <laughs> the Delaware Blue Hens. Oh. Which hen unfortunately beat the Lafayette. <laughs> it's the only reason why I know it. They For are Steve Nudelberg. <laughs> it's Josh Cohen saying, we will always remember. We shall never forget. May Amen. God bless them. May God bless America. And we will see you next time on the Thank Confessions. Thank you for your service, guys. Amen. And we'll see you next time on the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast.